June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. Breaking news tonight, all four officers charged. After eight days of nationwide anger over the death of George Floyd, former officer Derek Chauvin now faces a new, more severe charge, murder in the second degree. The three other fired officers charged with aiding and abetting murder. Tonight, the punishment they could face and whether the Floyd family believes it's enough. America reacts. Crowds erupt following the announcement of the charges. We got all four! As thousands of demonstrators march in cities across the country, including in Washington, D.C., which has seen a heavy military presence. Breaking with the president, how the White House is reacting after the defense secretary said, we don't need active duty military in D.C. Then why tonight he reversed a decision to send the troops home? A new generation of civil rights leaders. They tell us their goals and what comes next after demonstrating. Plus, former President Barack Obama holds a town hall on how to turn protest into policy. You have the power to make things better. Racing to a cure, Dr. Anthony Fauci on when the first doses of a coronavirus vaccine will be available, as health experts say cases will rise in the next two weeks. And reflections on the promise of America, powerful words tonight from decades ago that still resonate. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin tonight with breaking news. Minnesota's attorney general is increasing the charges against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin to second degree murder in the death of George Floyd. Tonight Chauvin is facing up to 40 years in jail with his bail now set at $1 million. Prosecutors are also charging the three other officers who were at the scene of Floyd's death with aiding and abetting murder. Attorney General Keith Ellison said late today that getting a conviction would be difficult, but he vowed to seek justice. Video of Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes set off a firestorm nationwide, sparking protests that continued overnight and throughout the day today. And while most of those demonstrations, including a moment of silence here in Washington, have been largely peaceful, curfews remain in effect tonight in several major cities, including New York, D.C. and L.A. And tensions are still high as we come on the air with National Guard troops on the ground in 31 states, an active duty military on standby at bases ringing the nation's capital. That's also leading to a standoff between the president and his defense secretary, Mark Esper, who says he doesn't support using troops to stop protests, even as President Trump is vowing to use what he calls dominant force to maintain law and order. As you can tell, there's a lot to get to tonight, and so our team of correspondents are standing by all across the country. CBS's Jeff Begay is going to lead off our coverage tonight in Minneapolis. Jeff? Nora, nine days ago, those four officers were responding to a forgery call here at this corner store, but tonight they are the ones who will all be behind bars. And when this crowd out here heard that, they cheered. We got all four! We got all four! Today, protesters heard from prosecutors what they've been demanding. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison announced the charges against the three other officers and the upgraded murder charge for Derek Chauvin late this afternoon. George Floyd mattered. He was loved. His family was important. His life had value. And we will seek justice for him. I cannot breathe. Prosecutors contend officers Thomas Lane, Alexander Kung, and Tu Tao aided and abetted in Floyd's murder as the 46-year-old was being restrained with Chauvin's knee on his neck. According to the initial criminal complaint, Officer Lane asked Chauvin, should we roll him on his side? Chauvin replied, no. A minute after Floyd becomes unresponsive, Lane said, want to roll him on his side? Kung then checked for a pulse and said, I couldn't find one. Floyd's son, Quincy Mason, reacted moments after the charges were filed. I am happy that all the officers have been arrested. My father should not be killed like this. We deserve justice. No all of this comes after eight days of intense nationwide protests. Some of the most volatile demonstrations happened here in Minneapolis. I can't breathe! Today, reaction spread to the large crowd still gathering in the streets. But the charges against the officers is just the beginning of lengthy criminal cases and likely more heartache for the Floyd family, especially the children. CBS News' Jamie Yukis asked Floyd's six-year-old daughter Gianna what she loved most about her father. He used to carry on his back all the time. Was that fun? Uh-huh. It was well, super fun. What was fun about it? Mm, it's like you be up the sky, <laughs> like an airplane. Roxy Washington is her mother. So she say, how did he die? And I say, he couldn't breathe. 
She is, of course, referring to that cell phone video that was seen around the world tens of millions of times. It was shot right over there on that corner. Right here is where George Floyd lay. Tonight, Attorney General Ellison warned the public that this is going to be a challenge convicting police officers. Nora. Jeff Pegues in Minneapolis tonight. Thank you. Tonight, CBS News is reporting that there have been more than 13,500 arrests in 43 cities, all related to protests. Los Angeles, Dallas, and Washington, D.C. saw spikes in arrests Monday night as police enforced curfews. CBS's Chris Van Cleve covered the protests late into the night here in Washington, and he was at a boisterous rally today outside the White House. Chris, good evening. Nora, the crowd is still very large and very peaceful. What has changed tonight is the level of military presence here. They have pushed the crowd further back, and you can see the D.C. National Guard right here face-to-face -face with demonstrators. Behind them are some federal officers. Most of them aren't wearing identification. We think they're with the Bureau of Prisons, but they are armed and ready to fire tear gas. There are flashbang grenades. Keep in mind, this has been a peaceful protest all day long. The other three officers are being charged. Relief in New York City as this crowd learns all four former police officers involved in George Floyd's death will face criminal charges. Cops have been con uh, charged in the past and not convicted, so as much as it is a step in the right direction, it's not a satisfaction that we will settle with. In Los Angeles... They should have been arrested right away, but better late than never. And in Washington... We're still not done here. It's still, it's still things that need to be done. This is the eighth day of protest. At the U.S. Capitol, thousands lay face down for nearly nine minutes of silence, mirroring the final moments of Floyd's life. Why are your hands red? Our hands are red because the blood is on the police hands. Nandy Taylor has been protesting since Monday. We are not giving up. We are not going anywhere. We will show up every day until Black Lives Matter. Thursday, Virginia's governor is expected to announce a prominent statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee in Richmond will be removed. Most protests stayed peaceful overnight, but there were pockets of violence in Portland, reports of looting in New York City, and in St. Louis, mourning. David Dorn, a retired police captain, was shot dead while trying to protect a friend's pawn shop from being looted overnight Monday. I just hope that the person that did this, that they come forth or whatever because this is just so senseless and I'm just I'm tired of it I'm just I'm tired here in Washington there's a feel of a city under siege heavily armored National Guard Humvees block roads Hands up, don't shoot. and this striking sight as the curfew kicked in Tuesday demonstrators on the National Mall were met by soldiers filling the steps of the Lincoln Memorial No clear reason for why the military presence has been amped up so much for this demonstration tonight. It's noticeably different than last night where they were kept behind a fence and largely out of sight. We can tell you that there is talk of a massive demonstration on Saturday. Nora? All right, Chris Van Cleve there near the White House. Thank you. Tonight, there are questions about how long Mark Esper will remain as Secretary of Defense after he broke with President Trump on using active duty military in American cities. Also tonight, the man that Esper succeeded, former Marine General James Mattis, is turning on the president. 
accusing him of misusing the military and dividing the country. CBS's Paula Reed is at the White House tonight. It's extraordinary number of developments, Paula. Extraordinary indeed. Nora, Secretary Esper's decision to publicly disagree with President Trump over the use of active duty military did not go over well inside the White House. President Trump and his defense secretary are at odds tonight over the decision to call up active military to police protests. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. We are not in one of those situations now. The president disagrees. He called up nearly 1,600 active duty soldiers now staging at four bases outside Washington. A decision to send them home today was called off, according to a U.S. official, because of the potential for more violence. You have to have a dominant force. Maybe it doesn't sound good to say it, but you have to have a dominant force. We need law and order. The show of force in cities like Washington has been called excessive by critics. Some of those heavily armed personnel wear no uniforms, signifying who they work for. A surprising sight on the streets today, DEA agents, who by law can only deal with drug-related crimes. But Attorney General Bill Barr has granted them extraordinary powers, saying that for the next 14 days, they can conduct covert surveillance and protect against threats to public safety. Meanwhile, the White House continues to defend the violent removal of protesters from Lafayette Park, allowing the president to walk to St. John's Church for a photo op. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany compared it to iconic moments during World War II and 9-11. And like Churchill, we saw him inspecting the bombing damage. It sent a powerful message of leadership to the British people and George W. Bush uh, throwing out the ceremonial first pitch after 9-11. Former Defense Secretary General James Mattis, who has not publicly criticized the president in the 18 months since he resigned, issued a statement late today denouncing President Trump as a threat to the Constitution and suggested that he is trying to divide Americans. Nora. Incredible to hear that from General Mattis. Uh, Paula, thank you. And as he left office, former President Barack Obama said he would only speak out publicly if he believed the nation's core values were at stake. That moment came today when Obama used a virtual town hall to urge young people to channel their anger into political action. CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports tonight from Washington. All of the nation's living former presidents have now weighed in on the death of George Floyd. Former President Barack Obama did so today, directly addressing police brutality and those it affects. Too often, some of that violence has come uh, from folks who were supposed to be serving and protecting you. Um, I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that your lives matter, that your dreams matter. The former president also said he's encouraged by the diversity of Americans protesting in the streets. There is a change in mindset that's taking place, a greater recognition that we can do better. Mr. Obama's comments follow remarkably frank statements from his predecessors. Former President George W. Bush, whose relationship with black Americans was strained by the federal response to Hurricane Katrina, said he was, quote, anguished by the brutal suffocation of George Floyd. Former President Bill Clinton, who enjoyed strong support from African Americans, said no one deserves to die the way Floyd did. And the truth is, if you're white in America, the chances are you won't. And former President Jimmy Carter said today that as a white male of the South, I know all too well the impact of segregation and injustice to African-Americans. 
In times of crisis, presidents often lean on their predecessors for advice or to help raise awareness or charitable support. But in the last three years, President Trump has done very little of that. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. From former presidents, we turn now to a new generation of civil rights activists committed to picking up the torch. CBS's Jim Axelrod spoke with two young men about their work and their hopes for the future. In O'Fallon, Missouri, Ryan Staples was about to lead a protest march when he saw the police chief, Tim Clothier. I said, lock arms with me, chief, and let's go. That must have been quite a moment for you. It was probably the best moment I've ever had in my entire life. No justice! Just four days before, this 18-year-old graduated high school. I was at work and I just pulled up my phone and I saw a lot of violence occurring in cities across the nation. And I texted my friends and I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna start a protest. Hoping to become a civil rights lawyer, Staples relies on the past to chart his future. It just felt so empowering to realize that I am doing what my ancestors did before me. And I'm a part of the change that's coming. This has probably been one of the toughest weeks like of my life. First ever protest. <laughs> Mike Griffin has been working on that change for the last 15 years as a community organizer in Minneapolis. I'm gonna be out there in these streets every single day protesting, organizing, and getting people to vote. As he does his work, Griffin often thinks of his 92-year-old grandfather, a minister, and a leader of the Montgomery bus boycott 65 years ago. Black folks in this country has advanced through being well-organized, through protesting, and through voting. How we protest in America is in our DNA. It's certainly in Ryan Staples, the youth is so passionate about change in society that they just need someone to spearhead it. No justice! On the streets of America this week, that next generation is emerging. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, Montclair, New Jersey. Tonight, the Trump administration says five companies, four of them American, are among the most likely candidates to produce a coronavirus vaccine. And that vaccine can't come soon enough, especially as Americans are packed close together at demonstrations nationwide. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. At packed protests around the country, thousands shoulder to shoulder, many without masks. Exactly what we've been told not to do in this time of COVID. I am seriously worried about what's gonna happen you know, 10 days from now when we start to see those cases rise dramatically. That concern now highlighted in a new study in The Lancet, which found that without a mask, the risk of transmitting COVID is more than 17%. With a mask, it drops to 3%. We gotta stop this! And while the hugs between police and protesters and loud cries of support might be heartwarming... This is our city! People out there screaming at the top of their lungs. This can't be a good thing. The more droplets that go into the air, the more the potential for spread. Even more serious research shows the virus itself may discriminate. You know, the paradox here is that we're protesting because of unequal treatment. At the same time, this virus is saying, I don't care that you're African-American. I'm going to disproportionately affect you. Out here at this rally in Hollywood, you can see there is virtually no social distancing. That's leading for some states to call for both protesters and police who attend these rallies to get tested for COVID-19. Nora. Carter Evans, thank you. The great American poet Langston Hughes wrote, Let America Be America Again, more than eight decades ago. 
but it is still relevant in a nation struggling to live up to its promise of freedom and equality. We asked Haley Love, a 17-year-old poet and the founder of a nonprofit for minority students in Chicago, to read it for us. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. I am the poor white, fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery's scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog, of mighty crush the weak. Oh, let America be America again. The land that never has been yet and yet must be the land where every man is free, out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies. We, the people, must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains and the endless plain. All, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. The words of Langston Hughes still very relevant today. Tomorrow, we'll report from Minneapolis as the community comes together for a memorial service honoring the life of George Floyd. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Thanks for watching. Good night. Always on the go? Well, now you can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on CBS Mornings On The Go. It's a podcast you can listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus. This is Stephen Colbert, here to talk to you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. For instance, if I'm talking to Tom Hanks for like 20 minutes, only 14 of that ever makes it to air because we just don't have time. And Tom's a jabberjaw. You know, he's a chatty Cathy. But it's all gold because it's Tom Hanks, and we put that on the podcast. We do. Yeah, that's value added. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.